Amen. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good, good to see you. I am so grateful that I get to be here up, up with you all this morning. And so this morning we're continuing our series 24 hours. And in this series, we're reflecting on the last 24 hours of Jesus's life as it's recorded for us in the scripture. And our installment this morning in 24 hours is called Denial of a friend. And we're going to be reflecting on a life changing reminder that Jesus wants to give all of us. I, uh, I remember I was living in Pensacola, Florida, and it was one Friday night in particular that I will never forget. I went to one of the local high school football games, and that's one of the things I love about youth ministry, whether it's a sport game or a drama or theater, whatever it is. If our youth are in it, I want to be there supporting them. So I went to the game. And it was after the game, we were kind of all standing around waiting to congratulate the players. And one of the parents from the church came up to me and she said, Hey, Stephen, have you met Father McCready? I said, No, I... I haven't met Father McCready. And she said, you've just got to meet Father McCready. He's a Catholic priest. He works over at the Catholic church. He helps with youth ministry. Do you want to meet him? I said, yeah, that would be awesome. I'd love to meet Father McCready. And so she takes me over to Father McCready and he was wearing a black suit and he had the signature white collar and he had glasses and the glasses just kind of added to his scholarly stance. I mean, as we were walking up, this guy, he had this very just serene manner about him. He had some really great posture and he viewed the world with this like straight face and studious gaze. And so we get up to him and the parent goes, hey, Father McCready, this is Stephen Weissong. And Father McCready turns to me and he goes, hello, my son. Now, standing face to face with Father McCready, I realized he was probably like three years old older than me, so it was kind of interesting to be called my son by a peer of mine. Like, I I was kind of taken aback by that, so I just wanted to be polite, so I just went with, hey, Father, you know, and so he goes, I said, so I heard you help out with youth ministry at the Catholic Church, and he said, I do, my son. I said, oh, that's great. I, I work over at the Presbyterian Church, and it would be awesome. Like, should we get lunch together? Could we grab lunch together? And he goes, yeah, we, we should do that. And I said, well, how about, how about this next Wednesday? Does this next Wednesday work to grab lunch together? And he goes, that should work fine. 
And so I left the stadium that night with a lunch appointment with a Catholic priest. I'd, I'd never had lunch with a Catholic priest before, so I was, I was pretty excited. Well, Wednesday came, and then Wednesday went, and on Thursday, on my way into the church office, I was turning to get into the church office, and I looked up and I saw the cross at the top of the Catholic church, and it, I realized... I had forgotten to go to lunch with Father McCready. And that was the moment I realized I had stood up a Catholic priest. And so as I'm driving, I started getting nervous and I started picturing Father McCready sitting in one of the booths at the place that we said we were going to have lunch. And he's all alone and he's shaking his head going, my son, my son, why have thine betrayed me? So I was going like, I started getting worried and I started like wondering, do I, do I need to confess this? Like, do I need to go into the Catholic church, get in the confessional and go, I stood up a Catholic priest, please forgive me. And I started going, how many Hail Marys am I going to have to say to make this go away? Well, that morning I sent Father McCready an email because there was no way I was talking to him in person. I sent this email and I explained how sorry I was. And he never responded. I still can't believe I forgot to have lunch with him. Which makes me wonder this morning. Have you ever told someone you'd do something and then you didn't do it? Maybe the better question is this. Have you ever told Jesus you'd do something and then you didn't do it? Uh, Maybe that something was you'd stay faithful. You'd stay pure. You wouldn't cut corners. You wouldn't lose your temper. You'd follow Jesus at all costs. You ever told someone you'd do something and then you didn't do it? I know I have. Hello, Father McCready. But I know I've told Jesus, I've told Jesus I'd never do something. And then I've done it. I'll go, what's wrong with me? And you know, one of the biggest things many of us struggle with in our lives is overcoming and dealing with the areas of our lives where we've fallen short and where we haven't measured up. Where we said we would, but then we didn't. And now we're living with the sting of that failure. And I'm not just talking about missed lunch appointments. In our story this morning, we're zooming in on Peter, and he's one of Jesus' closest friends. And I really love Peter because he's someone that I can identify with. At least for me, when I read about him, I can relate to Peter on a very personal level. And he's an example of someone who told Jesus something, and then he didn't do it. In our text this morning, we meet up with Peter and he's in, he's in the courtyard below from where the high priest was, where he was putting Jesus on trial. But several verses earlier in Mark chapter 14, Jesus and the disciples, they're leaving the upper room and they're heading out to the Mount of Olives and Peter tells Jesus something. Listen to this. It's Mark 14, 29. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And Jesus gives him his prediction, and we're going to get to that in a second. And Peter replies to that by saying, no, Peter declared empathetically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. All right, fast forward 35 verses and some betrayal and intense action scenes later, and all the other disciples have deserted Jesus except Peter and John. Wow. 
And let's give Peter some credit. At least he made it to the high priest's courtyard where he could watch the trial. But how many of you know that standing, that sitting around a fire, watching a friend go through one, and standing next to the next to your friend in the middle of the fire are two different things. Here's Peter. Peter started following closely to Jesus. But now Peter's following at a distance. And in our lives, so many of us, we've started following Jesus closely, but now we're following at a distance. And so I asked myself this week, why do we follow at a distance? Why does this happen? Personally, I think it's because we have an enemy that prowls like a lion and crows like a rooster and drowns out the reminder of Jesus' love. But this week in my notes, I just wrote down, why do we follow at a distance? Well, it's because we define ourselves based on what we did instead of on what's been done for us. And so here's what I mean. Mark fourteen sixty six. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, you're one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. And just then, a rooster crowed. Out of everyone around that night, it was a middle school aged servant girl that called Peter out. And I don't know if you've ever spent a lot of time with middle schoolers, but middle schoolers, they have this ability of blurting out accurately the things you don't like about yourself. Uh, I remember I was in my interning days. Uh, we just got done was with some middle schoolers. We just got done playing some dodgeball and everyone was leaving. And so I kind of raised my hand and say goodbye to someone. And one of the middle schoolers said, wow, Stephen, you sweat a lot. Look at those pit stains. And I was like, no, that's the thing I'm sensitive about. So here's Peter, a burly fisherman sitting around a fire and a servant girl calls him out. You are with Jesus. And Peter's like, no, that's the thing I'm sensitive about. And he does the thing he said he'd never do. Peter denies that he knows Jesus. And as the sun begins to rise, a rooster crows. Ouch. And the story continues. It keeps going. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you are a Galilean. Now, these verses fascinate me. One, because the servant girl keeps calling Peter out for the thing he's sensitive about. But in the course of Peter speaking to those in the courtyard, his accent gives him away. The way he speaks gives him away as having been with Jesus. Because you see, Galileans, their, their accents, they had these accents that the city folks of Jerusalem would have looked down upon. So people knew Jesus was from Galilee. So in the course of Peter talking, the people around picked up where he was from. And that's what led them to accusing him of having been with Jesus. Because get this, his accent was the same as Jesus's. Which just, it just makes me wonder. When you speak, does your accent match with Jesus? When you talk, are you talking in the same kind of voice as Jesus? 
Could people tell you were with Jesus by the way you spoke? It's an amazing to me that this little distinction that goes on there. But for Peter, he doesn't like this. So he does something to throw them off. It says, Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. Whatever he said, we don't really know, but it sure didn't sound like someone who had been with Jesus. Peter did the thing he said he'd never do a third time. He denied Jesus. And this time, it was by speaking how he would have before he ever met Jesus. And then the rooster crows again. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly Jesus' word flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. So I have a confession to make this morning. My confession is this. I'm not a farm boy. Seriously. I, I, I didn't grow up on a farm. I haven't really ever woken up to a rooster. I'm, I'm a city boy. And so what I can relate to is the, is the reminder app on my phone. And as Peter left broken down and weeping, every morning that Peter wakes up for the rest of his life, he's going to wake up with a reminder. Every morning when the rooster crows, it's going to remind him of what he did. And that's the effect of guilt and shame in our lives. That's the culmination of saying you do something and then not doing it. And so I wanted to define guilt and shame for us this morning. And here's how I define them. Guilt is something that you did. And shame is something that you believe you are. And for so many people, we wake up each day. And because of what we've done, we start each day by letting the rooster tell us, who we are. Peter lived that. Peter said he'd never deny Jesus. He said he'd die with Jesus. And then he followed at a distance. And eventually he ended up deserting Jesus and denying that he even knew him. And each day the rooster would remind him of what he'd said and how he didn't do it. And now that's who he is. A denier, a deserter, and a lost cause. But luckily, this series is called Reflections on the Last 24 Hours of Jesus. And if you'll notice, Jesus hasn't said anything yet, which was probably good for Peter. But but don't miss that. Don't miss the power of Jesus' silence. And never mistake the silence of Jesus in your life as an absence of Jesus from your life. Just because Jesus may be silent in the moment, doesn't mean he's not working his plan. The Gospel of Luke tells us that at the very moment Peter denied Jesus the third time, Jesus looked at him. Jesus turned and he made eye contact with Peter. Personally, when we make eye contact with someone, usually it's not to shame them. Usually when we make eye contact with someone, it's to build a relational connection with another person. And that's the reflection for me in the last 24 hours of Jesus. Maybe you feel like this morning what you've done can't be forgiven. And the rooster is crowing, giving you the image of Jesus sitting at an empty booth of the place you said you'd meet him at. And you're not there. And he's shaking his head and he's going, why did you betray me? But I'm here to tell somebody 
that Jesus wants to make eye contact with you. Some of us are following at a distance. And so here's the reflection. Jesus won't give up on you. It's not in His nature. When we feel like we're at our worst, that's when we need to fix our eyes on Jesus the most because He'll never give up on us. So I don't know what roosters are crowing in your life. I don't know what reminders are waking you up each morning. I don't know what roosters are crowing in your life, pulling you back into your past and preventing you from enjoying your here and now. I don't know what reminders you have that are telling you you aren't good enough. You don't deserve to be loved. You're not like that person. You're a failure. You can't overcome. You're just too broken. I don't know what the things you've told Jesus are or the things you've told yourself are, the things you said you'd never do, and then you did it. And the guilt of what you did is causing you to have shame and believe that that's who you are. I don't know it, but I believe Jesus knows. And I believe that Jesus wants to give us a response to the rooster. And so in John chapter 21, Jesus is resurrected. And his plan comes full circle. And the scripture says that he meets the disciples at dawn. And he pulls Peter aside. And three times Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And it's just wild for me to think that after the third time Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. A rooster might have crowed. And in that moment, Peter is given a new reminder for the rest of his life. And the reminder is this. Jesus defines who you are. And so maybe this morning, you need a response to the rooster. Maybe you need an answer to sing back when he starts crowing, starts trying to define who you are. And so maybe you can answer him back with this. Hey, Mr. Rooster! You can crow if you want to. But what you say doesn't define who I am. Jesus does that. And so here's a great truth. Jesus sees all of you and yet loves you completely. And when we know that we are loved completely by Jesus, we can be completely changed by Jesus, because His love is our reminder and our response to the crow of the rooster. I was uh, at Starbucks the other day. I go to Starbucks a lot. And I walked into Starbucks and sitting around the table were three Starbucks employees. There was Steve, the coffee master. That's his title. He's the manager. There was an assistant manager named Morgan. And I go to Starbucks enough to know that the third guy, he was an older, older gentleman. And I knew he was a new employee. And so I just watched this scene unfold. And at the table, they had like 20 little red cups. And Steve, the coffee master, was training the employee in the coffee. And so they they would taste the coffee. Steve would go, let's taste the coffee. And then Steve would say stuff like, uh, did you taste how robust that was? Did you feel how smooth that went down? Did you taste how citrusy that one was? And then Steve, the coffee master, was like, all right, now we're going to smell the coffee. And all three of them picked up little cups and they're smelling the coffee. And I just thought that was hilarious. But in 
as I was watching that, it struck me that the only thing that matters to a Starbucks employee is knowing the coffee. Sure, they've got to know uh, how to run the register. They've got to know about the Gold's Card Reward Program. They have to know about the pastry selection. But Starbucks sells coffee. The employees have to be able to tell the customers, this one, it smells citrusy. This one, it tastes robust. And if you want to work at Starbucks, you've got to know the coffee. And I think a lot of us, we go, well, duh. But somehow when the rooster is crowing in our lives, we forget the simple truth when it comes to knowing Jesus. So here's the truth. When we know Jesus, when we've tasted and seen and touched and smelled Jesus, we are acutely reminded that he won't give up on us, that he'll always want to make eye contact, that he sees all of us, and yet he loves us completely. And when we know Jesus, we know who defines us. And when we know Jesus, we know that freedom in life happens when we gaze at Jesus and glance at life. And so the application this week is really simple. I just thought it'd be interesting for just just this week for you to take your phone and put a reminder to wake yourself up with each morning. So each morning this week, type in this reminder. And so when you wake up, you wake up with this reminder. And the reminder is this. Start your day with the reminder. Today, Jesus defines who I am. Today, Jesus defines who I am. That's my hope. That's my hope that we would find our definition in this life, not based on what we did, but on what Jesus has done for us. Today, Jesus defines who we are. Let me pray. Well, Jesus, thank you for Peter. Thank you that Peter can be a relatable character. He's not perfect. He messes up. He says he'll do something and then he doesn't do it. Man, I relate to that. Jesus, thank you, though, in the midst of all of our stumblings, in the midst of all of our failures, in the midst of all the fires that we go through, You're the one who defines us. Jesus, I pray this morning that there might be some people in this room that they are following at a distance because a rooster is crowing, telling them that what they did is now who they are. And Jesus, I pray that they would know today you're making eye contact. Jesus, I pray that we would know today that you aren't going to ever give up on us. Jesus, I pray that we know that no matter what we've done, You see us for all that we are, and yet you love us completely. You took the cross for us. So Jesus, may we go with that reminder that today Jesus defines who we are, and we have a response to the rooster. In your awesome, awesome name, amen.